Welcome. I am a small, fuzzy, middle-aged woman, unexpectedly named Turl Kronberg. And in the very front of my brain, I have an exceptional little bit that I call the wise turtle. She is the most thoughtful, observant, and compassionate part of me. And this podcast is her platform for speaking to the world. Her aim is to try to understand the patterns of growth in the universe and use those discoveries to help us all uncover the most important, inspiring story of who we are and where we want to go as Earthlings. I hope that you enjoy her musings. Namaste. sort of an addendum, extra bit, bonus um, podcast version of my Solstice podcast, which ended up being a video podcast, um, which you can see if you go to my blog at turl.org, T-U-R-I-L dot O-R-G, if you aren't subscribed to the blog in general, but maybe you're just subscribed to the podcast, um, you won't have seen the video because that doesn't go out through the audio podcast as far as I know. Um, so anyway, so um, this is the audio addendum to that, and it's following up on what I asked and suggested that we start doing, which was um, because I saw this process of us evolving as a cultural planetary society of all life on earth, I saw this evolving through this process of fight, flight, freeze, and flow, which is also the same process as the stages of learning and the stages of grief, stages of growth. Um, it's this sort of loopy process, which I've spoken about before, um, and that I see us moving from a fight stage, which we've been in basically as a, as a species for millennia, um, if not forever, I'm not even sure. Um, but we've sort of, we've definitely been in this fighting, uh, competitive meme for the way we govern ourselves and the way we make choices and interact with the world. Uh, it's like man against nature and, you know, man against man, and all this against stuff rather than with which I see as the only real way to go, you know, collaboration with nature, collaboration with the universe and reality and the laws of physics, you know, that's the only way we can really get anywhere. Um, but anyway, so I see us moving from this fight stage, this competitive approach to life with its memes of and religions of, you know, war and competition um, on every scale as far as grades and money, zero-sum game where we, you know, just don't really make any progress. It's just, you know, one against another, win-lose. And I see us moving from that into the 
um, flight stage, which is this pulling back, retreating into ourselves. So we're becoming more individualistic and more internally focused. And that's a good thing as opposed to fighting. Um, it's not ideal. Again, it's not collaboration. It's not creativity, but it's better than fighting. And I see us doing this, doing that with, um, as I said in the, the video podcast, you know, on a global scale right now. And I see that as the solstice, as that's the same thing where we're pausing. We've been sort of going all out all year, and now this holiday, this time astrologically, you know, the actual planetary, you know, the planet itself sort of pauses in its tilt and it's, you know, tilted at, in the northern hemisphere anyway in December. We're tilted as far away from the sun as possible. And then we kind of stop there before we start going towards the sun again, tilting in a different direction. Um, and I see us as doing that on a global scale right now, mimetically, which means that we're starting to explore what the boundaries are of what actually happened. We're looking at our history, we're looking at our past and seeing what, it, what meaningful stuff did we lose? How did that upset us? And in, so, in, in understanding that, we can define ourselves as who we are and what we want. But we have to actually go look back to the past and describe our losses. And I've, I've always been asking people, you know, what do you really want? You know, what's important to you? What are you passionate about? And I get so many bad responses to that. And bad, but I mean, like, people are actually angry at me for asking this. And they want to avoid me, and it upsets them. And it baffles me. So I have come to understand that people just aren't there yet. They, they, they haven't even figured out who they are. They haven't even processed the, the things that they've been through, the tragedies, the drama, the, the fear, the loss that they've gone through. They haven't even processed that yet. So we have to start there. We have to start asking people, what are they missing? What are they lacking? What did they lose? What are they afraid to lose? Their fears. And what's happened to them in their past. So we get to let people vent, but in a more peaceful way. I mean, we've been letting people vent in angry ways for a long time. We haven't really let people go in deeper and introspect into themselves. And so I'm trying to encourage that now. And I'm actually, on a long-term level, I'm going to try to encourage that in a, in a couple of projects that I'm working on with my speaking up and hoping to get a, uh, some kind of technology, media, um, an app, video game, something that will help people, guide people through that in a more um, open-ended way. So that it's not like the way I do it is it's very specific. And I mean, it's, it's pretty dry. <laughs> My little speaking up process is very dry and it's more tailored to people like me um, who can easily pick up on a, on a hint and, and run with it as opposed to some people need a little more guidance and a little more sort of open-endedness and generosity and understanding and speaking in their language. So I'm looking to get a more open-ended project going for that. But in the meantime, I thought I'd share my own story of loss, um, maybe a couple of stories. 
try to not make this too long. Um, I know the audio quality is bad. All of my microphones are entirely failing to work on my two devices. I have both a phone and a, a crazy Linux Dell laptop that I managed to get when my Macintosh died. Um, and it was work. My phone was working fine for recording with the mic, and then it just stopped. And I bought a new bike, and that didn't work either. So maybe it's the jack, a lit thing. I don't know. But anyway, so this is literally just me talking to my phone. Hopefully, it sounds okay. Uh, I managed to find a quiet room, so that's that's a bonus. <laughs> um, so anyway, so I thought I'd share my my main story of loss, which some of you probably know. Um, about, oh, I don't even know, many years ago, 2007, um, I was joyfully married to a beautiful human being, my David, my honey, and we were having some challenges, you know, as everyone does, and, you know, we had our own unique ways of dealing with those challenges, and not always successful, um, and... Some stuff happened. Most of it was environmental, um, our challenges. Most of it was literally worrying about homelessness and food and, you know, where are we going to live and how can we, you know, survive in a world that is constantly threatening us and, you know, demanding things of us that don't actually work well for us in order to just get our basic needs met. So a lot of what happened is primarily down to that, just fears of and threats of homelessness and not having our basic needs met um, and not having a lot of support for that in our general community. But there were other things going on and, you know, just general marriage things and mental health issues and just general relationship issues. And some other stuff happened and my husband ended up not being able to be with me. And it kind of destroyed both of us. Um, and we went in very different directions from that. Um, and he, we ended up both having to sort of fend for ourselves. Um, and neither of us doing very well at it, but we did it in a way that made sense to us. And those were different ways, fairly different ways. Um, I'm not sure how much detail, I mean, I'm personally fine with sharing all of the details, but, uh, I know, I don't know. But anyway, um, if you ever want to ask me anything personal in the email or something like that, I'm happy to go into detail usually, but I think I'll keep it fairly general here. But the main thing was that out of all of this for the past 10 years, almost 11 years now, 10 and a half years now, I guess. Um, I have not been able to be with my husband, really. Um, and he has not been able to be with me. And that both really, that hurts both of us. Um, and like I said, we deal with it in different ways. We deal with stress in somewhat different ways, although we're pretty similar in a lot of ways, personality-wise. Um, but on a practical level, we deal with it in very different ways. And so for, you know, over a decade now, we've both been kind of on hold. So 
I mean, we were, we were pretty much on hold before um, he had to leave me because of our environment. We just couldn't, neither of us could progress because we just didn't have the support we needed to take care of our basic needs so that we could actually, you know, be productive and creative and, you know, awesome, the kinds of people that we really wanted to become. So we've been on hold for so long. And I guess that's the core of what I feel like I've lost. I mean, there are a lot of practical things that I've lost. Obviously, I've lost being physically with my husband for the past decade. I mean, I desperately want to be with him and miss him every single day and think about him all the time, not just every day, but constantly throughout the day. I think about my husband and what he's doing and what he would think about things and how I can help and how he could help me and, you know, just all of it. You know, the, the things that you normally think of when you're with a partner. And when you can't be with your partner, you still think of those things. At least if you still want to be with your partner, you still think of them as your partner. And so on a practical level, obviously, I've lost that. I've lost that physical connection, the emotional connection to some extent. I mean, I still feel emotionally connected to him, even though, you know, we can't really be in contact that much. Um, not directly, certainly it hasn't been much direct contact for a very long time. And intellectually, I have not been able to problem solve with him. I think that's, that's on a more practical level. That's one of the biggest things I've lost is that, you know, while we were still struggling, obviously when we were together, I always felt, I don't know if he did, and maybe he didn't, but I always felt we, we were better at problem solving together. I mean, it was a struggle. I mean, it's always a struggle to problem solve. Um, but I think we were actually, we both were better off when we were figuring something out together because we had different perspectives and different approaches and different ways of thinking about things and different skills and knowledge and everything. You know, the two heads are better than one kind of thing. And if you have similar goals, you can end up solving problems in ways that know are very effective when you have two different perspectives working on the same goal and sometimes it took us a really long time to get there because communication is not always the best um, and him being a guy in general he's a little less communicative in some elements um, and you know me just being weird you know I'm kind of overbearing and whatever but anyway um I think that's one of the biggest things I miss on a practical level of not being able to be with him because I feel alone. I feel like I'm missing half of my brain when I'm trying to solve a problem, a practical problem, you know, like housing or whatever. Like I'm facing something right now that's just so daunting to me. And I know if he was with me, because we did this already, we already worked this one out and it didn't quite work for us the first time, but we actually managed to at least do something. Um, even if the long term it failed, the thing that we did, but we did it well when we actually did it. And I'm facing the same thing right now. I'm like, I really need his help on this one. Um, because he has, you know, just that other half of my brain, that other part of the problem solving that is us. And I don't have that with me when I'm trying to make these decisions. Um, and then on a spiritual level, I actually don't think we're apart. So 
that's not a loss for me on a spiritual level. I am very much still married and in love with my husband and with him on a higher plane of existence, whatever. I mean, that's, you know, there aren't good words for that. It, it either sounds woo-woo-y or people, people say I'm either too woo-woo or I'm too overly dry and logical, um, depending on how I'm talking. But, you know, on the grander scheme of, of spirituality, philosophy, culture, um, my husband and I still want the same things. We're still the same, you know, idealist type people with the same kinds of goals for making a better world. And so I don't feel apart from him at all in that because he's still doing that and I'm still doing that. We're still there in the same space. It's just not a, I mean, we don't have to be close to do that. So I didn't actually lose anything there. But the other three elements of my psyche, I feel like I've very much lost him for the past decade and plus, um, and look forward to being with him again so that we can reconnect and start working on our dreams again. But as I said, on the, on the sort of bigger level, it was that, um, that sense of being stuck. I've lost the, pro the progress. I've lost the ability to move forward and this wasn't just because of my husband leaving me. Um, this was well before that. Like I said, we were stuck before that. And, and him leaving me only made it worse. But that was a systemic problem. And, and more so a community and family problem. Um, I felt that the people around us were not, not necessarily repressing us, but also not helping us move forward. They were just kind of static as well, and, and it's not, again, I never blame when I, when I talk about the causes of things. It's, it's just, they're just causes. They're neutral causes, um, you know, just like a hurricane is, it's not an angry thing. It's not mean. It's not intentionally hurting anyone. It's just, it just is. It's just, we are the way we are. We make the choices that we make because those are the choices we have to make because that's how life works, you know, we have to choose from among the options that we see, and then we choose the one that seems like the best at the time, that will serve whatever our purposes are the best. Um, I mean, we can easily be wrong and confused and do things in unskillful ways, but we, you know, we still choose the one that seems like it's going to be the most effective, given the situation and our goals. So there's no blame here. There's just me saying that the environment that we were in, we were in the community and the families and the you know workspaces and everything that we were in were not supporting us in being our best selves. They were holding us back and trying to keep us, you know, from progressing. And both of us very much wanted to progress. We're our personalities. I mean, I think, you know, most people do, but not everyone. I mean, some people are very happy. I, someone, I just heard someone say, you know, if the future is so-and-so, then I want to go live in the past. And I can see that in, in humans. I mean, that's so not me. That goes totally against everything that I've ever been, I think. I've always looked forward to the future and thought, oh, the future will, will be better. Um, and for the most part, it is. Um, I mean, you know, there are wobbles and <laughs> we go back and forth and things get really crappy here and there. But on the grander scheme of things, society, I think, keeps getting better. Um, we keep focusing on trying to solve our problems more effectively and inventing ways to solve our problems more effectively. 
just not as effectively as I hope sometimes. Um, but yeah, so I personally, my husband and I are very much future-oriented problem solvers, wanting to make the world a better place actively and, and looking for ways to do that, that that are exciting and fun and playful for us. And we are very similar in that element. Um, I don't know how deeply he's gone into figuring out exactly what he wants to do and how he wants to do it. Um, I don't, well, as far as I know, he had not done that when I was with him. He just had a general sense of what he wanted to do. Um, and as did I, and our, our goals pretty much meshed, as far as I know. And our environment wasn't letting us do that. You know, we, we came kind of close. We started going in certain directions and, and just, it just couldn't happen because of our environment and our surroundings and our situation didn't allow us. And so that's the thing that I feel most in pain and I was most angry about when it happened, uh, when it kind of came to a head, when my husband left me or couldn't be with me and was wanting to be with me but didn't know, you know, we just didn't have the support that would allow us to do it. He was afraid that he was, if he was with me, he wouldn't be able to take care of me. And in a, a whole variety of ways, you know, physically, mentally, emotionally, you know, spiritually, um, as far as I understand. And, and his environment wasn't helping him take care of me and vice versa. Um, he didn't think I could take care of him, and I couldn't. I didn't physically have the capacity to help him get what he needed. I couldn't even get what I needed, and that was an environment that was just unsupportive of our needs. We weren't getting the things that we needed, and, you know, we could either sacrifice ourselves to get what we needed, or we could not get what we needed. <laughs> <laughs> Those were the two options we could say ourselves, and that was what happened. He ended up sacrificing himself to get what he needed, and I ended up not sacrificing myself and not getting what I needed. Um, he still doesn't quite have what he needs either, but he got more of what he needed. Um, he got more housing than I did. He got probably more food, I don't know. <laughs> he got the use of a car, you know, whatever. He got more of the, the basic material things that he, he needed just to survive. And I got far fewer of those things I needed to survive, but I kept myself. I didn't lose myself in that process. I didn't sacrifice anything. Um, that was why I say we, we went in different directions. We, we had the same goals, but and we have a very similar personality, but we, on the practical level, um, went in two different directions. And so the big loss I see was the community that was around us. I mean, it was barely there for us in the first place. I mean, it was kind of there, but then it just, the whole, it just all fell apart. And I've had this happen to me in multiple occasions on, in multiple different ways, just that the people around me, people, places, and things around me seemed like they were being supportive and seemed like they cared about me and then something happened, some little tipping point happened and it all just fell apart. Everyone just kind of disappeared out of my life. Um, the people, places, and things I cared about just poof, were gone. And and I mean, I mean that in a grand scale. I lost most of my stuff. 
when I first became homeless, I had to give away pretty much everything I had. And I had already given away a lot. I mean, a lot of the stuff I had I didn't need. It wasn't that important. I just had gotten it because it was either free or really cheap and seemed cool at the time. And, you know, and I probably used it a little bit. You know, most of it I used a little bit to, to do fun things with and then, you know, didn't need it anymore. So a lot of the stuff I got rid of I didn't need. But I did have to get rid of some things that I really cared about, like my sewing machine and my printer. My, um, I had a beautiful futon, absolutely gorgeous futon. And I just, it just disappeared out of my life. Uh, I did end up getting a new sewing machine. <laughs> Amazingly, <laughs> right on the street, there was just a free sewing machine and it was there for a week. I didn't even, I walked by it or I biked by it one day down the street in Somerville somewhere. And there was a sewing machine box on the side of the, like on the sidewalk, just kind of sitting there next to a tree, um, abandoned. And I just thought it was an empty box and didn't think much of it. And then a week later, I went by and the same box was there, sitting on the side of the road. And I was like, well, I'll just look inside it, you know, just in case. And there was a brand new sewing machine. It was literally a new, I mean, it had probably been used once, or maybe twice, I don't know. It had basically never been used, I'm just sitting in the box. So I did end up getting a new sewing machine. Um, thank you, universe. But... Um, I, you know, there were just so many things that had made my life at least a little better um, that disappeared out of my life. And it, and those were the things that I miss so much because, and I don't mean better, like more comfortable. I mean, some of that was that too. But I mean, they these things enabled me and the people around me, not just the physical boring objects like sewing machines, but, you know, the humans who were around me and the places that I was in that I visited and hung out in and lived in, you know, they were making me a better person. They weren't just making me more comfortable. They were actually enabling me to do more productive, effective, interesting, creative things. Um, and I've lost those. I've lost so many of those. I'm still homeless. Been off and on homeless, pretty much mostly homeless in the past decade, uh, or at least awkwardly homeless <laughs> or under, you know, threat of homelessness. But a lot of the time I actually physically, you know, legally have been homeless. And I am again. And again, I'm being threatened to be kicked out of the place that I've been staying. And so there's a constant fear. And because of that fear, I can't be productive. And so having lost so many of the, the things that made me a healthier human being, made me enable, enabled me to be a creative, compassionate, thoughtful, productive, efficient, effective, fun human being are gone and were taken from me. And that's not good for anyone. You know, me being a worse person, me being sicker, is, is not good for anyone. And again, there's no blame here. This is just how it is. This is just, we've all been making choices that, you know, we thought were the best and, you know, ended up not being so effective for no necessarily one reason. It's just a whole systemic problem. And that's why I work so hard to fix the system. That's why I work so hard to come up with these understandings about how we're evolving, how the process of growth works, how, you know, life flourishes, you know, how do we take care of ourselves better? And I focus mostly on, mostly on the sort of grander scheme things, you know, the bigger 
issues, the bigger patterns, and then let others sort of take those apart and figure them out in the details. Um, but this great loss, both on a practical level of being with my partner and my beloved David, um, the loss of that for the past decade or so, and again, I hope soon that 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 will come back together and we'll have a different, new, better relationship um, physically and emotionally and intellectually so that we can, we can be awesome together again and better, awesomer in the future. Um, so not only have I lost that, but I've also lost the, the sort of practical elements of my, you know, my basic, my body support the support for my body being able to function well and be healthy and my brain working properly because it's nourished and warm and, you know, relatively, has a relatively reasonable space to live in. Um, and so I'm using that loss and focusing on that loss and directing it to understand who I am and what I want to do in the world. I mean, I pretty much had the same plan before I was homeless, before my husband left. I mean, the, the same ideals that I had before of creating a community space and uh, a network of, um, you know, sort of community hubs that would help people solve problems in creative ways. I had that before all of this happened. Um, it's just something that I always thought about. For some reason, that's just who I am. That's where my brain always went. Wanted sort of a some kind of educational facility, but a more practical, you know, a, a think tank, but a think and do tank kind of thing, makerspace. You know, that's always it's kind of been in my head, even when I was I don't know younger. Um, but then having had all this loss, I've been able to focus on that specific thing about how that made me a better person as far as being more compassionate and more attentive to the homeless problem and being more attentive to nutritional needs and warmth and access to information and transportation. You know, all of those things really came to a peak um, when I lost them. So I'm way more attentive to those than I used to be. I mean, I've always worried about homelessness. Even when I was a teenager, when I was living with my parents, I was always worried that for some reason that I wouldn't have a place to live. Um, I'm not quite sure how that happened, but maybe just because we moved a lot or my parents got divorced and who knows what where that came from, but I've always felt that. And um, so anyway, so I've, I've, you know, I've used the losses that I've had to help me focus on, you know, who I am and how I got here and how I'm gonna use that to make a better world. And I'm hoping to use that <laughs> to help inspire other people to do the same thing, to look at your own losses, the things that have been really meaningful to you and made you a better person. Um, just recently, uh, I'm gonna wrap this up soon, but just recently um, I saw a thing Neil Gaiman was saying about um, um, Stephen Moffat, who has been the uh, the showrunner at Doctor Who for, well, as far as I'm concerned, way too long. He's got some brilliant stories 
um, including the Christmas Carol, which is one of my favorite pieces by him, one of my favorite works by him. Um, they did a, the Matt Smith version, 11, uh, 11th Doctor uh, version of the Christmas Carol with, you know, the past, the ghosts of the past, present, and future. There weren't any ghosts. It was the Doctor the whole time, past, present, and future, um, showing this guy, this, you know, Scroogey guy, his, uh, his past. And he actually, in, in the Doctor Who version, he actually changes the guy's past. Um, he shows an alternate past, which ends up being the real past, but it's complicated. But anyway, that's one of my favorite pieces by Stephen Moffat. Um, so it ties into this past, present, and future of that I spoke about and, uh, in, the, uh, in the main video version of this podcast, um, where we're, we're looking back at our past now. Right now we're in the present, um, and we're taking time at the solstice time to look back at our past so that we can guide our future better. And so anyway, Stephen Moffat said that now that he's leaving Doctor Who, he's stepping down as showrunner, um, and now that he's leaving, he can say, I don't know why, to, why he had to wait to say this, but he said that the reason he loves Doctor Who so much is because it inspires people to be better, inspires people to become writers and actors and scientists and whatever. Um, and, and that's true. Um, for me, Star Trek was way more of an inspiration than Doctor Who was, but Doctor Who, you know, still was very influential in my childhood. Um, it was more of a nurturing thing for me than it was an inspiration. Star Trek was the inspiration, whereas Doctor Who was sort of the escapism comfort that, hey, there's someone out there looking out for you who, you know, cares about you and is really good at, you know, solving problems and they'll take care of you. Um, you know, I was always the companion uh, to the Doctor. Whereas on Star Trek, I felt more like I could be, you know, one of the people on the... I could live up to the, their ideals. I could be one of them. So anyway, um, Moffat said that, and that made me think, yeah, you know, our, the things that were most meaningful to us, we tend to take, you know, um, what's the word? Not take advantage of, but take a, ugh, you're probably saying it in your head. Um, <laughs> take for granted. And, and not always so, but, you know, once we've lost something, we really, really, really know that it was important to us, if it was important to us. Um, and so looking back at the thing, and, you know, that's why I was thinking it was kind of funny that, that Moffat said that, Stephen Moffat said that when he's leaving the show, because he's losing Doctor Who to some extent. Well, he's losing control over it anyway. It's not his Doctor Who anymore. It's going to be a very different relationship for him now when he watches Doctor Who. Um, so he's losing that, so he's reflecting on what he's losing and why it was so important to him. And so, yeah, so I think looking into our past and identifying the things that we've lost and why they were so important to us, and identifying those, that helps us define who we are and what we do want and how we want to direct the future to be a better world so that we can, be, we can have those things that make us better people and that'll make a better world inherently if we're if we are better then the world will be better because we'll we'll be doing better things we'll be making better choices and creating better things and exploring 
things more effectively and sharing things more effectively. So, yeah. So consider looking back at your past, the solstice, at any time, but this grander solstice that we're in, you know, in this, I don't even know how long it's going to be, decades, years anyway, months certainly, that our culture is in this flight stage, retreating back into ourselves, sort of introspecting, considering what the extent of the damage was and why the things that we lost were so important, how they made us better individuals. So look at the people, places, and things in your life that you lost. Sort of note them and understand why they made you a better person. And maybe share that story the way I have done here. So anyway, um, that was more rambling than I intended, but no one interrupted me. And so <laughs> this time, last time I got four minutes into the podcast recording and someone came in and <laughs> I had to stop. So uh, I got to ramble this time. Anyway, I hope you have a beautiful technical day-to-day solstice, which was technically yesterday, but it's three days, so it's still today. And Christmas and New Year's and Hanukkah and Kwanzaa and Festivus and everything. Winter. And I hope you consider sharing your story with me or anyone else or even just yourself so you can understand better who you are. I'll leave you with that. Namaste.